Thank you for what we mean in this community and the faithful followers that we have here. Help us as a church be great stewards of that money to do with it what you called us to do. And we just ask for your help in that. I pray for Griffin as he brings the word to us this morning. Would you just inspire him, your spirit be upon him to be your voice piece to what we need to hear today. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. The book of James shows us what walking in faith looks like and encourages us to put our faith into action. Chapter 1, verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted nor can he tempt anyone. Well, it was the biggest moment of his life. He had trained hundreds and hundreds of hours. He had dieted and put his body to the test just to get to this one moment in this one place to accomplish a dream that he had had for his entire life. And that dream and that goal was to stand in that center podium with his head down and the official putting that beautiful gold medal around his neck, with the flag raising up above him of his country, with the song playing and the entire world watching and celebrating his accomplishment. The moment was now. And so he got ready and he put his two feet in the starting blocks and before he knew it, the gun went off and he took off and he started off well. And he came around the corner and he could even see the the finish line right in front of him. He was going after it as hard as he could. And then that's when it happened. There was a collective gasp around the stadium as he came up limp with a torn hamstring in the biggest race and the biggest moment of his life, trying to get his greatest dream. And all the eyes went off of the the racers and onto this One man, as he stopped clutching his hamstring, down, face down on the ground, in anguish and in agony. It was as if, in the the greatest potential moment of his life, became the darkest, most disappointing moment of his life. You see, life tends to do that to us at times. We have 
people and we have situations in life where we have high expectations and big hopes and big dreams to, to achieve and to grasp onto, but sometimes those things in our life that we want the most and that are most important to us can ultimately become some of our darkest and most challenging moments and most challenging relationships. Maybe it's the marriage relationship that we had or someone close to us, something has gone wrong and it's gone from high expectations with that person, but something has changed and it's ushered us into a a dark storm that we don't know how to get out of and we don't know how to proceed. Maybe it's with a job or a career or your, your health concerns, something that is supposed to be so significant and so great can quickly be brought into a place of darkness that feels like a storm. Well, I'm so excited that you're here because I want to tell you that sometimes our greatest storms can ultimately become our greatest blessings in life. And today it's fitting because of the weather. Good job making it through the storm, by the way. We are starting a series called Through the Storm. And I'm honored to be able to speak on behalf of the book of James as we kick off this this idea of seeing through the storm, fighting through the storms of our life. But before we get into what James said, I want you to get to know who James is a little bit. And this is actually not the disciple James that we learn about in the Gospels. This James, he's actually the little brother of Jesus. Now, how many of you have older siblings? Raise your hand for me. Can you imagine worshiping your older sibling and having to do that your entire life? I lost a bet once to my older brother. I was eight years old, and I had to kiss his feet because I lost the bet. I couldn't look at him for for like a month after that. It was horrible. And so that's how he, he grew up. His older brother is Jesus. The problem was that James didn't believe he was who he said he was when he was younger. In John chapter 7... We learn that his, even his brothers were mocking him. Jesus was being mocked by his brothers, made fun of for him saying that he was the Messiah that has come to save the world. So James had these doubts about who his brother was, and it wasn't until the resurrected Jesus appeared to James that James actually believed. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that James encountered his resurrected older brother, and that's when his entire life shifted. He began to uh, be a leader and the founder of the Jerusalem church in the early church days as the gospel was spreading. And we learn that Paul in Galatians tells us that he believed James was a pillar of the early church, one of the most significant and effective leaders of the early church as the gospel was being spread all over the world from that Jerusalem church. And so James had a story to tell, but he also knew a little bit about storms because history actually tells us the way his story ends is that the Jewish leaders in that time got so angry and so fed up with James and his faith and his effectiveness for the gospel, they came and they grabbed him, they took him to the top of a temple, and they threw him off trying to kill him. 
But James is so cool that he actually didn't die when he fell off the temple, right? He, he fell down. He did not die. And then they came down. History says they grabbed stones and they stoned him to death because of his faith. And that's James's story. He knows a little bit about storms. And he writes this letter, his one book of the Bible, five chapters, and he's writing to a group of believers, Christians, who have been scattered all across the, the way, and they're, they're going in different places, raising up churches. And he writes to them in the midst of one of the most horrible times of persecution you can imagine. And this is the time when not only did James get killed for his faith, but we learned that most people believe 10 out of the 12 disciples were killed for their faith, martyred because they believed in Jesus. And you read in the book of Acts, Stephen, that, that famous story of this young man who proclaimed the name of Christ was killed and taken to his death just because of his faith. And so James is writing into a group of people who are in the midst of a storm. When Faith in Christianity is meant to be one of the, the greatest aspects of their life. It's become one of the darkest aspects of their life. And he sends them this letter. And here's the thing. I love James because of how he starts his message. He introduces himself, but he's like the guy when, when you bring your family to the pool and everyone's kind of dipping their toes in to see if it's too cold or if they jump in. He's the little brother that goes, cannonball, and he jumps right into the thick of it, splashes everyone, and he just jumps into the place that no one else really wants to get into, speaking into the midst of their storms. But listen to how he starts his letter in verse 2, chapter 1 of James. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And he says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. And you read that, and you know the people who are reading that in that time, in the midst of persecution. And James goes, find joy in the midst of your darkest storms. And you're asking, like, did James get thrown off the temple a few other times and start writing this letter to these people? How in the world can he say that you can find joy in your darkest storms? You can find joy within it. And not only that, if you find your way through your storms, there is a blessing on the other side of your storms. And you're going, this is, this is backwards because we want to hear about how we avoid storms. God is our refuge and our strength. Keep us away from the, the pain and the suffering. But James jumps right in and he says, you can find joy in the storms. And so if, if you'd like to take notes, there's three truths that he gives us in these three verses about storms. And the first one is this. He says, first of all, we will all experience many kinds of them. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? <laughs> he says you, you will experience many kinds of storms, whether you're a Christian or you're not, whether you're in middle school or a senior adult. This life, the way it works, brings us storms, difficult 
challenging times. And James just says, let's just be honest about the life that we live in. The storms will happen. And he says, in fact, there are going to be many kinds in the seasons of your life. It's just the reality. And number two, the second truth he says is this, that storms are a test of our faith. In summary, he basically says that when your dark moments happen, it reveals how much you trust God. It reveals to yourself and to God and the world around that how much you do actually put your trust and your faith in your heavenly Father. And this actually, it isn't a new idea because in Genesis chapter 22, if you grew up in in church, you've heard the story about God leading Abraham and testing his faith, it says in the Bible, uh, to sacrifice Isaac, testing of how much he trusts his God. And then in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, after Jesus receives the Holy Spirit, and it's beautiful, and it's an amazing picture to see, the first thing the Spirit does is lead Jesus out to the desert to be what? Tempted, right? Same context and idea with, with testing. And so all throughout the Bible, you see that God allows storms, and they're actually things that reveal where our faith are and where we put our trust in our lives. And the last thing he says is, is this, and this is interesting. He says that storms are faith and growth opportunities. He, he has the boldness to say that in the midst of your darkness, in the midst of the hardest, most challenging situations of your life, there can be something amazing that comes on the other side of your storms. And you read that and you hear that from James and you're going, well, that's, that's great. That's nice that there can be great things that come from hard situations. There are lessons to learn. But I think the big question in this room today when we read this is how. Because when your marriage is, is crumbling and you're losing influence with your children and not knowing how to proceed with your future or your job, or you have a health concern in your life or in your family's life that there are no answers to, when when you're in the midst of your darkest storm, it's nice to know that good things can come, but how do we even get there? How do we receive those blessings through the storms? And thankfully, James, in the next two verses, gives us this amazing answer. And this is what he says. In the midst of your storms, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, he says, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. And so he makes this statement. You will face storms, but he says God wants to provide you with something that's going to guide you through the storms. And he says if you lack wisdom on how to proceed through the storms, he says God can't wait to give generously wisdom in the midst of your storms. So he basically says godly wisdom is like a compass that guides you through your storms. But James makes this He gives us two options. He says, when you face darkness and storms and turbulent waters and question marks, he says you you have two choices. You can rely on the wisdom of God, which is meant to be your guide 
to see you through the storm. You can cling to him. You can trust in him and rest on his peace and what he will give to you in the midst of your storm. Or he says you can do this. He says you can take the compass and you can get rid of it. And you can cling to anything but the wisdom of your heavenly father. You can rely on yourself, make your own decisions. You can give up in trusting what God can and will do through your storms and how he's building you up and strengthening you and your faith and commitment to him. And you can cling to your own ideas and the ideas of others and other faiths or religions or ideas about what to do in the midst of your storms. But here's what James says. He says that's so dangerous because if, if you take your eyes off the compass that's seeing you through to the destination God has for you, your storms will get bigger, they will get darker, and they will become more and more powerful. The waves will become stronger, the wind will become stronger, the, the rain will become stronger in your life. And he says it's as if you will be tossed and thrown around without any idea of what direction to go through your storm. And he makes this huge case that storms will happen, but God's wisdom is your compass to see you through the storm. And the question is, how much do you cling to that, trust it, and rely on it in the midst of your storm? You may ask, what makes God's wisdom so significant? What makes God's wisdom so important that in the midst of your darkness, when families are crumbling and you have doubts and there's addictions happening and you can't get out of the mess you found yourself in, why is God's wisdom the consistent answer that God will always generously provide. And I want to just scratch the surface and give you three blessings of God's wisdom if you want to take notes. And here's the first one. He says, godly wisdom provides a godly perspective. You see, the the temptation when storms hit and when you're in the midst of your darkness is that life is limited to just you, which is very limiting You've heard the the term perspective is everything, probably. I think godly perspective is above everything. Because God sees the big picture. And if we receive his wisdom, he reminds us that there's a bigger picture than just ourselves in, in the midst of the storm. That God sees before, in the midst of, and after the storms of our lives that we face. He sees all the angles and he can remind us that Even in the midst of your hardest moments and your darkest times, there is a bigger picture that God and you are involved in. James describes the the wisdom of God again in in chapter 3. I love how he says it. He says, the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, meaning it is perfect without blemish. Then he says, it's peace-loving and considerate, submissive and full of mercy and good fruit. It is impartial and it is sincere. And you notice that the wisdom of God has benefits not only for yourself, but for the world around you. Produces good fruit. It is 
full of mercy for other people, that even in the midst of your storm, God can use you to be a blessing to someone around you. He says, in the midst of your darkness, it's not just about you. I have so many things that are going on around you. Number two, second blessing is is this, that godly wisdom provides godly perseverance. If some of us were honest, we find ourselves in, in the midst of a storm right in this room today. And some of us are just thinking of giving up. Tapping out and backing out and moving on to maybe another person or another situation and giving up on praying for that person or that situation or not trusting that God's way is the best way and maybe trying to figure out another way to do stuff. We we can easily find ourselves in a place where we are ready to back out and give up. See, the other side of that coin, though, is, is there are people in the room that have been placed into storms where they did trust God. They've been thrown into having to to deal with and overcome cancer or some type of health problem in their life, and they made the decision to trust in God, to seek his, His wisdom and His strength, and not to give up, but to keep fighting through that. And they've seen God show up in that part of their life and bring them victory through the storm. There's marriages in the room that were this close to being over with, but you decided to trust in your heavenly Father, to trust in his wisdom and to heal the wounds that have come into that and mend your marriage back together, and you have a story to tell because God showed up in your marriage. You see, some of us in the room, because we didn't give up, we've seen God show up. And that's what God can do when you choose to seek his wisdom And find the strength to continue to persevere in whatever it is that your storms are throwing at you. He says, there's something better to come. If you trust in me, I can make you stronger, more complete, and more reliant on me. And we will do amazing things. James 1, 12 says this. It says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. I love this because on the front side of your perseverance is a promise that God will see you through the storm if you do not give up and back out. There is a promise that good things can come in the midst of your storm. Do you trust that that promise is real from your heavenly father? So perseverance he can provide. Number three is that godly wisdom provides godly possibilities. If there's a promise on the front side of our perseverance, there are amazing possibilities on the other side of your perseverance. You see, God has people in our lives to minister to. He has connect groups to be formed. He has mentor relationships. As you persevere and as you trust in his wisdom, as your compass to guide you through the storm, there are things and opportunities and people on the other side of your storm that God cannot wait for you to impact because you've trusted in his perseverance, in his perspective, in his wisdom. That God can do things through us as he guides us through the storm that we never thought possible. And there's some people in the room that would look back to those storms that you fought through. And you'd say, 
I wouldn't change a thing because it made me stronger in my God. And it allowed me to do things I never thought possible without the storm. So what is it in your life where you need the wisdom of God? What is it in your life where you, you feel like giving up? You feel like, like backing out. It's become too hard to put your trust in him. Is it a relationship in your life? Is it something with your future? Maybe you've been hoping for something to come in and God hasn't provided in the way that you've wanted him to and it, it just hasn't made sense and you feel like giving up praying. You feel like giving up trusting in him. Stop seeking him and maybe I'll try my own way. Or maybe he's just not good enough anymore. Maybe there's someone better. What is it in your life that God can provide perspective to remind you there's a bigger picture? Where is it in your life where you need his perseverance to guide you through the storms of your life? To, to help you experience the, the possibilities that he has waiting for you on the other side of your storm. that He has prepared for you. Where do you need his wisdom? In James 5, he kind of wraps up this idea by talking about persevering through the storms again. And I love what he says. He says, as you know, we count it as blessed those who have persevered. He says, you've heard of Job's perseverance and you've seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion, full of mercy. And James takes us to this Old Testament story, one of the oldest books ever written in the Bible, this, this man named Job. See, Job was considered a blameless and a righteous man. He loved God. He dedicated his entire life to him. He's dedicated to purity and honoring God. And, but then the storm came. God allowed one of the, the most tumultuous, dark storms you could ever imagine. His, his children get taken from him. All of his prosperity and his, was taken. His success was removed from him. All of his possessions. And then his health starts to deteriorate. And he finds himself in the midst of this massively difficult storm. And he had that choice to make. Does he rely on God and his, his God that he believes in? Or does he go his own way? Because even his wife said, curse God and die and do something different. Just give up. Back out, right? And Job had that decision to make. And all throughout his story, he keeps calling on God, not giving up on seeking his God in the midst of his darkness. He keeps on calling on God. And in chapter 38, when God answers, look how it happens. He says, the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Some of us need to hear that in the midst of your darkest moments where you have the highest expectations that are not being met, that's when you can feel and hear from and experience God the most. He cannot wait to see you in your storm and speak into it and give you the wisdom and the perseverance and the perspective to guide you through the storm because there are possibilities awaiting you as he sees you through the storm. He cannot wait to come into the storm with you and guide you through it. Because that's what God does. 
He shows up in the midst of the storms that we face and he gives generously without finding fault the direction and the wisdom to take to see us through the storms. Job's story ends on the other side of the storm. The Bible says he was blessed double the measure than he was before as he relied and trusted on his God through his storm. It was 1992, Barcelona Summer Olympics. Derek Redman found himself kneeling in tears, in anguish and in agony, in the darkest moment of his life, clutching the back of his leg, a torn hamstring, all of his dreams and his hopes completely dashed in that one moment. The hardest thing he'd ever faced in his life. The most icon- one of the most iconic stories in Olympic history. He gets himself up. It's hard to watch. With a torn hamstring, he starts just limping around the track, trying to have a sense of pride for himself and his country. And he's, he has tears rolling down his face, and he's all alone, pushing people aside, trying to get to that finish line. And then coming, sprinting from the crowd is his father. He jumps over the rail. He runs to his son who's just in anguish in the midst of this darkness trying to get to the finish line by himself. And his dad comes from behind. He grabs his arm, puts it around his neck, and they embrace both in tears. And he embraces his son. And he leads him to a standing ovation around the track to the finish line. His father guides him to the place that he needed to be. Through his storm, he showed up. And he led him to the finish line. Church, that is the heart of your heavenly father in the midst of your storms. He cannot wait to be invited into your darkness. Put your arms around him. Be embraced by your father so you can be guided to the finish line that he has for you. That's the God who loves you in the midst of your storms. Do you trust him? Will you seek his wisdom? Will you keep your eyes focused on the wisdom that he provides in the midst of your storm? Because there is something beautiful waiting for you on the other side of that storm. In just a second, I'm going to invite the worship team back out and I want us to sing this song called It Is Well because I know that there's some of us in the room being pounded by the storms of this life. And my prayer for you is that even in the midst of that storm, you can sing that it is well with my soul because you trust in your heavenly father that he will come down into your storm and guide you through it. When James says you can find joy In the midst of a storm. He's not saying you can find joy in the storm. He says you can find joy in the God that will see you through the storm. If you trust him. If you choose to seek and grasp his wisdom. That's where you find joy. In the midst of your storms. Would you stand with me as I pray and the the band comes back out to lead us in this song. Father... Thank you for the truth that even though we face trials and storms and 
we have temptations that we want to give up and we want to try our own way and rely on other things, God. The heart of, of you, Heavenly Father, is you want to come into our storms. You want to give us your wisdom and you want to guide us to the other side of that storm. Father, thank you that even in the midst of our storms, we can sing, it is well with my soul because we find joy in you even in the midst of those storms. Thank you that you can guide us to the other side of those storms. We love you and we worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen.